talking about life, faith, and everything in between. This is Messy Christianity. And welcome back to Messy Christianity. It's that time again. It is that time again. Seems like I was just in a room with you like 30 minutes ago. Wow. Now time flies. Hey, the uh, topic this morning is how to win over sin. Mm -hmm. I know that this probably will be something that uh, people will not find interesting because nobody sins. Note the sarcasm. Yeah, I used to. But <laughs> I used to, but I'm, I'm done with that. I'm done, I'm done, yeah. <laughs> Actually, the, just this morning, I was talking with a friend of mine from uh, who lives in Texas, and he's doing seminary classes uh, online, and he was uh, responsible for uh, a paper, and he, he called me this morning. He's like, dude, I need help. I need mm-hmm. to outline Galatians 5, and I'm not, I'm not, not sure where to go with it. And it's it's living by the spirit, and it talks about the the, the battle between the spirit and the flesh, mm. and I, that that is the consummate uh, struggle for a believer is living by the flesh or living by the spirit, because we're clearly commanded to live by the spirit, and yet the flesh is still there. So this is much more of a practical approach. How do we win over sin? Well, we write the word sin. <laughs> On a piece of paper, we get a red highlighter, we yes. draw a circle around That's it, and, then put, and then put a line straight through it, <laughs> and, and say, no, it. no more sin. No more sin. It's worked no for sin. me all these years. <laughs> <laughs> hook, hook it on phonics. That works for me. <laughs> Talk about digging. <laughs> we just went down a rabbit trail. Yeah, we did. All right, so what's sin? Let's start with there. What is sin? Anything that displeases God. That's a good definition. Okay, what else? How would you define sin? Displeases God anything that interrupts or, or, or doesn't enhance our relationship with God. I mean, it's probably a bigger, more general definition, but hmm. sin of commission, sin of omission. So uh, things we don't do that we should be doing also sin. Just wanted to use that phrase that I've heard. Right, you know, I'm wondering, is that actually biblical? I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. It's still one of those what, things we Okay, ask that question. Is the what sin, not The sin of omission and the sin of commission. We don't the, do something we're supposed to do. Yeah. Like God says, go speak to that person over there. <laughs> Yeah, I guess that would be disobedience, so. but but the wording commission and omission yeah. would be man-made, I suppose. Yeah. So so it probably is, yeah. So I I would I would say even even more basically sin is doing anything without love. Anything that lacks love is sin. In so I can be of, obedient even though I don't have love in the obedience and that's sin? I think so. I think so, because what is the greatest commandment? Love God, love your neighbors yourself. So if I'm doing something because I have to, rather than out of a love relationship with God, then I'm just going through the motions. Aren't I missing it completely? Missing the the whole purpose of the obedience? I think absolutely. I agree with that second statement, that you're missing the... I don't have what you said now. You're missing the point of it. It was so good, it just... <laughs> yeah, in one ear. It, yeah, you're missing the point of it, but to classify it as a sin, I, I don't know if I could go down that trail, because it's that's the learning experience. How do I know? Sometimes I don't even know I'm not doing it out of love. Mm-hmm. I think I'm doing it out of love. I think I'm making the right choice here, but then you look back on it and say, well, that wasn't really the, the correct heartbeat behind it. So I don't know. I I, I would hmm. push back a little bit on that. Um, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Do does the love of God lend itself towards the keeping of commandments, or does the keeping of commandments 
Is that the catalyst for loving God? Which which comes first? If you love me, you will keep my commandments. I would I would say that the love leads towards the keeping. So, uh, well, and that, a biblical example, and, and we could come up with a, a ton of them. Think of Jonah. Was Jonah in sin because he was obeying God, preaching God's word to the Ninevites, but yet upset because they turned instead of burned, you know? And we could look at it and say, yeah, his heart was in the wrong place, but he was, it was that an actual sin because of his struggle with what God had, uh, the, the, the word that God had, had used him to, to verbalize and was accepted because the Ninevites in his eyes were the enemies and yet they were turning in, in repentance to God. So he was obedient Eventually, after he got spit out of a well or a fish, yeah. uh, but that helped, yeah. but where you know where where's the line for sin in love? Because there was no love there whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Yet there was obedience the second time around. So what if we're looking at this though that as defining sin as actions rather than a hard attitude? So like for instance, when when, when that whole Jonah story started, God said, "Go to the Ninevites and preach." No, I'm not going to the Ninevites. Mm-hmm. So he turns and goes the other direction. Maybe that's just the beginning of a sinful heart attitude in that each particular act is not necessarily counted as additional sin, but it's, it's the whole attitude of sin or the heart attitude of, of rebellion against God. And so rather than listing five sins, it's really just one big chunk of sin. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that's getting too technical. But I honestly don't think I've ever thought of it before because yeah. I think I would agree would have agreed with you that if I do something out of just because I'm told so, is that sin? Well, my answer would have been no, even if I didn't have the love for God in the midst of it. But I think that I, I think that I, I. But there's also a difference between the love for God and the love for what you're doing in that moment for for the act itself. Is there though? I think there is because I I can show compassion to my enemy because I love God. And through that, he he hopefully begins to change my heart toward the enemy. But if they're your enemy, they're your enemy. He says, love your enemies as yourself. You know, so what, what is that? But they're my enemy. So enemy means, uh, you know, animosity mm-hmm. and yet I'm, I'm commanded to love God and love people so there's there's that rub it's that it's that growth it's that um, learning too and so as long as I'm pursuing that to have a deeper relationship with God have a deeper different de- uh, a deeper relationship and and to know God more to love God more and I'm acting in obedience even though I don't understand even though I don't really want to I mean how many things do we do out of obedience? that we don't really want to, but I'm being obedient to God in that moment. I think that is showing love, even though it's not what I'm wanting to do. And I, I just, I can't So you might be that. talking about degrees of love. Well, I, so I, I, I guess, it, can we even classify it, though? What's the original as, as degrees? question? <laughs> well, well, the, well, I, well, how can you win against sin if you don't even know what it is? Okay. And, Is that and the that, question? What's no, no. How, how to win against sin? Okay, that's the question. But I, but I really think that is true. Yeah. How how can we truly ha- win against sin if we don't even know what sin is, in terms of, you know, how to define it? Because I could easily win against an act, but if I haven't changed the heart, then I really haven't won. I've only delayed. But what if addressing the act begins to change the heart? Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. 
so th- so but but then it's still a sin because my heart's not there. So I, I see that that's the rub for me. How could that be a, a sin if my heart is to change the sin, to change the act, so that my heart will eventually become obedient? An, an example for me, I, I think about when I started giving to the church. Uh, I was in my early 20s, and and I remember distinctly God telling me, all right, you need to start giving, tithing, you know, giving to the church on a regular basis, and I didn't want to. I was like, God, I, and it wasn't the, I, I don't, I, I don't believe that it's wrong. I don't believe that it's right. And it wasn't, it's mine, you can't have it, God. It was the idea of, how am I going to pay my bills if I start giving, you know, X percentage to the church? And it was really that rub for me. But out of obedience, I did it. I didn't have the heart behind it at all. I didn't want to do it. I did it because God said to do it, period. But over the course of time, and I don't know how long it took me, but it, it wasn't a, a, a too long of a period of time. God proved himself faithful. And then the, the chore became something I look forward to doing. I, I love the idea of being able to give because God's a generous giver, and he's given to me, and it ch- helped, helped to change my heart. So I'm, I don't, for me, I struggle with the idea of the fact that I gave, even though I didn't really want to, I was being obedient— that was a sin because I my I didn't have love in that moment. I, I I don't I don't know if I can say yes to that. So what if sin is not action at all? What if sin is all about rebellion? Wouldn't that be closer to, um, to the biblical example of 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 sin? Rebellion is I'm not going to do something or I'm not going to gonna um and, and i guess what i'm saying is what if the actual action is just how sin yeah. is fleshed out i've heard so, it worded years ago something like sin is a condition but sinning is the carrying out of the sin that's the sinning is the action the aspect. sinning yeah. is the action it's i think the i like out that of the sin that's inside of us and um so the condition is i'm i'm in rebellion against god and and yes and not to like let us all off the hook here, but that's what we are. I mean, we 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 are uh, sinful people. I mean, we our hearts are wicked. You know, I mean, we we are people that um, think we know better, and it's not it's not always the big 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 stuff. It's just a you know we we have a bent to go against God, um, and so that is a condition. That's a human heart condition um, that needs that Savior. I mean, Actually, I don't think I can go with that. With it, that sin is rebellion against God because creation itself declares. Uh, basically, the law is written on people's hearts. Even uh, what I'm trying to do. Um, I think it's in Romans that that we don't need the law to offend the law. Does that make sense? Mm. So, so if I'm a, a a person on an island. I'm still a sinner, even if I have no knowledge of God. Well, that's the curse, yeah. So um, I'm not rebelling against God intentionally or specifically, but I'm still guilty of sin. Sure, sure. Yeah, I mean, the curse, Adam and Eve. I mean, yeah. that's it, we, we are all born into a sin nature since the original. So, yeah, I mean, it, whether the law is there or not, um, we are born with that with that name man this got deep all yeah of a sudden, I'm, I'm sitting here going <clears throat> well, dang how in the world 
But yes, I mean, it's, and I think the Romans, the nature declares, the creation declares the Lord and um, no one is without excuse. Yeah, that's what I was, yeah. that's what I was thinking. Of. No one, one was without excuse. Yeah. Even with, without the written right. law, right. no one is without excuse right. because creation itself should bear that. Yeah. So I, what I hope people will, will get at this point is that all of us have been in ministry for years and years and years. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, since I was 15, 16, you since you were early Whatever. 20s, yeah. Yeah. you know, you since you were born. <laughs> no. um, yeah. I mean, being a PK, right? Right, yeah. yeah. But but still, at 47 and 50 and... I'm 51. 51. Yeah. We're still wrestling with the mystery of the gospel. I think that's a that's an important I, note. Because I, 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 yeah. I would have told you I had this figured out well, no. and clear... Until we start talking about it, then go, wait a minute. I have said for years and years and years on this um, that the book of Romans is such a good book, a, a book of the Bible. But I have said, I have said this for years. I've preached it before and go, the battle of the flesh and the spirit is so key to the Christian life. And it's key to victory in life. But I've readily admitted to crowds, I'm still trying to figure this thing out, yeah. daily trying to figure this thing out. Paul I himself struggled with it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he said, yeah. I got the thorns in the flesh. I mean, it's a battle of the mm-hmm. flesh. We have no idea what that was. Yep. But I don't it, do the things I want to do. Paul yep. struggled with it. Sure. And and the early church struggled with it. Hence the very letters that were written to the early church are because of the struggles against sin, the struggle to want to do what's right and yet continuing to fail. So it's the brokenness of of humanity, even though the Christ follower as these letters attest in the New Testament, are written to believers who have the gift of the Holy Spirit dwelling within them, the gift, yeah. this guarantee, uh, this deposit guaranteeing what is to come, the seal of ownership by God, and yet there's still that struggle with the flesh, with the, the sin nature. I think, and I don't, I don't want to wrap this thing in a bow because it's not this easy, but especially I think in the in the Western church, we have taught such a, um, a <laughs> disciplined style, like yeah. a, a moral living style of check a box, check a box. But even in like our, you know, it's not even like check a box, like read the Bible, pray. It, it, it's like, um, it, it's all these lists of just don't do these things. Yeah. And it's, we have put a moral living Christianity in front of people. And, and it honestly, there, so many people, so many people struggle because, and it's almost like it makes it worse because they're like, well, I'm not doing these things. And then we've kind of created this like fake living kind of thing. Like, okay, just, just play the game and present yourself as you're doing okay. <laughs> you know, Christian. Um, and I, I know so many people that may be listening to this have this situation in their lives where they're like, I have tried and I've tried and I've tried and I've tried and I just feel like I'm running into the same wall over and over and over. And I can't get this sin out of my life. Um, but I, it does come down. This is the part I was going to say. I, I know this to be truth, but I haven't figured all this out. But I know it comes down to the power of the Spirit inside of us. I know it does. It it it's we don't have the um, within our own. There's no amount of <coughs> self determination and self will and grit and just I will not sin anymore. There's no amount of that that will get me over the sin problem in my life. It just won't work. So. Well, I think that's why. I think there's two extremes, uh, or or there's there's typically two positions 
which really we should be in the middle with the mm-hmm. third position, okay. biblically speaking. So the one position is, man, I'm a dirty, rotten scoundrel sinner. I can't ever do anything yeah. right. And yeah. just this self-condemnation and guilt and, yeah. you know, I'm the lowest of the low. The other side is, well, I'm not all that bad. And in, in, in no, no, virtually right. no recognition of sin I, at all. And I think where we need to be, biblically so, yeah. speaking, is right in the middle going, I am a dirty, rotten scoundrel, but yeah. I have the righteousness, I am the righteousness of God in Christ, Christ right. because of grace, right. which is the whole point after all anyways. Yeah. The older I get, the more I realize that God's grace is sufficient, Sure, which, as we mentioned in a different podcast, does not mean it's just enough. It means it's absolutely enough. It's all sufficient, and it's necessary. Mm-hmm. So, so God's grace becomes much more important, and I guess much I, I become much more thankful for it. And I think where it comes down to, I can work this all out theologically and, and preach it, teach it, you know, that um, his grace is sufficient and the righteousness of Christ is placed upon me. I mean, all of that we've taught me. But it's not just for that salvation experience. It's for that sanctification experience. Yeah. And that's where I think the wrestle comes in. Because I completely agree. I've heard both extremes on that thing where it's just like I'm just a dirty, rotten scoundrel and I have this sin problem and that just what it is. And then I've heard the other extreme that's actually been taught in churches I've been in that, um, you know, it's so grace driven that it's like, mm. well, I used to be a sinner, but I'm not anymore. Well, <laughs> you know, that, that all sounds fluffy and good. And actually, that's technically maybe theologically you're not a sinner in the eyes of God because the righteousness of God is placed upon you. But. Let's get practical in the day-to-day, you know, <laughs> the nitty-gritty of life. You're still sinning. You know, we all are. That That's the rub to me is like, this is just me personally. I get so easily I can wrap things up with a theological answer that is correct. But the, the, the person listening going, hey, but, you know, Tuesday I'm really struggling with this situation at work or at home or I'm looking at porn, whatever it may be. I'm still struggling with these things. That's the... I think that's where the listener is. Yeah. I think it's where we are. Like life is. Yeah, and you know? that's the question where the frustration is, how do I win over sin? Right. Because it does seem like sin sin never stops. The the, sin the, grows. the aggression of sin. Yeah. The aggression of of the flesh, I guess we should say. Yeah. Never ever stops. It's it, you know it, And why why is that? Is there's never there's a there's a level of satisfaction that's never <clears throat> that's never reached. Let me throw a bring it. We a, we a, a can't handle an okay. Perspective this. is good. Let me throw a different perspective. I thought you were gonna throw a monkey in there. <laughs> I might. With a wrench. So what if the very premise of what we're talking about I don't want to say is incorrect, but is is flawed. <clears throat> in that by asking the question the way that we're asking it, we're addressing sin as the culprit. Hmm. What if we re-ask the question for each individual based on Leviticus 19.2, where God says, Be holy because I, the Lord your God, am holy, as a command. What does it look like to achieve holiness from a Christ-centric perspective? And, And what I'm trying to ask in this, instead of focusing on how do I stop sinning, focusing on how do I become more like God, more holy, more pure, more sanctified, more set apart, more passionate in my love and my pursuit of Him. If that becomes the focus, 
I this is personal belief. I believe the sin nature itself will decrease instead of focusing on the bad. And because I think you know, you think about it from an addiction perspective. You mentioned a few a minute ago, Kevin. If you throw an addiction in there, and I'm focusing on I don't want to do this addictive behavior anymore, but I'm thinking about not doing that addictive behavior. Every time I think about not doing that addictive behavior, that addictive yeah. behavior comes back to my mind, yeah. and it's over and over and it's over. It's called again. target fixation, and and I just I can't get away from it. Yet if my target fixation is on the holiness of God and walking in holiness, wow, my perspective becomes a little bit different, and I don't automatically stop sinning and I don't even and it's not that sin's not an issue anymore it's just my focus is not on not sinning my focus is on yeah. living a holy lifestyle and I think it, just from a mental perspective at least the way I'm wired man that's that's bringing light into a dark situation I focus on sin or not sinning it's just this negative it's this heaviness it's this weight on my shoulders but if I'm focused on the holiness of God, Wow, there's light, there's there's breath, there's energy because it's the holiness of God, and and it's almost like Brother Lawrence back in the 1600s when he wrote Practicing the Presence of Christ. If I my, my if my focus in this moment is practicing being in the presence of God, and I fall short, his own words are, "Well, I'll just pick it up, brush it off, and say, well, I made a mistake, but not anymore. I'm I'm pursuing hmm. Jesus again.'" Versus the sin beating me up because I can't let it go. That's the difference of looking at it from a defense or an offensive perspective, really. Mm-hmm. As opposed to defense against sin, mm-hmm. you're really running towards, offensively, towards God. Mm-hmm. So when uh, when riding a motorcycle, they teach you in the training class. Um, I love this illustration because it fits perfectly with this situation. When you're riding a motorcycle you're and, and you're going through a turn, People tend to look directly at the place that they don't want to go. Mm. So they look at a pothole or they mm. look at a, uh, yeah. a an edge of the road that is broken. What are you laughing at? Because it reminds me of a Frasier episode where he's trying to learn how to ride a bike and oh. he can't take his fixation <laughs> off the tree. Nice. And he's always yeah. on that bike and he's running into the tree but, yeah. every but single time. But that is exactly, yeah. exactly what happens. Yeah. They, they tell you, look through the turn and, mm. and, and where you want to go rather than looking where you don't want to go, because if you look at where you don't want to go, you'll go there every time, because there are these computations inside of your brain that make you do that. And and when it comes to what we're focused on, if we're looking at the sand going, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it, ah, I did it. You know, something in the Bible, but something that you're going to understand. <laughs> what, no, but you're going to know, turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of this earth will grow strangely dim in the light of... Of his wonderful grace. Yep. Is that right? Yeah. Well, but that is in the mind, Bible. Let us yeah. therefore, I think it's Romans, let us yeah. fix our eyes yeah, not on what true. is seen, Hebrews. but on what is unseen. Yeah. Because what is seen is temporary, yeah. what is unseen is eternal. So, okay, I think we should. Ch- so that actually answers the question how do we win against sin? The absolute first thing to do is to readjust our focus on the holy, on, <laughs> on be, going towards Christ yeah. rather than. I will not eat that cake. I, I will, will not, not eat, eat that, that cake. cake. That's right. right. And then when I eat it, I beat myself up right. again. Even more. Yeah. And you feel guilty. But and there is therefore now no condemnation for and those then, who are in Christ. I've already done it once. I might as well do it twice, yeah, right? I know. <laughs> <laughs> <I'm> already in. <laughs> you know, 
<laughs> That's mind. so true, right? That's so true. <laughs> Eating a whole cake, I might if, as well eat a I pizza. Mean, yeah. it, it, that is absolutely true. I if mean, you're on a diet and you and you already blown it, quote unquote, yeah, blow it. Yeah. Uh, just if yeah. you've blown it, might as well indulge, right? And God's grace is good, so <laughs> He'll forgive me. So you know, it's, <laughs> Amen. Oh man, crazy people. But that, but that's the that's the rub. That's where we can't hide our true heart intent with yeah, God. Yeah. That's where the problem is because we do wind up sinning in a certain way, whatever that way might be. And then we're like, well, forget it. I might as well just let it all go. Yeah, yeah. And at that point, it's like we can't even hide the motive of our own heart yeah. from God. So we're, I would say, we're even more in trouble at that point. Um, because I do think that God disciplines the rebellion much more than he disciplines the action. Yeah, he's trying to get to that. I mean, we, we've used different words, the root, you know, we've used that word so many times, but that's what he's trying to get to. Yeah. Do you, Peter, do you love me? Yeah. That's the question. So how do you win against sin? Change your, change your focus away that's... from the sin to... <coughs> How can I love God? So yeah. I, I don't even like the word, how do I please God, as much as how do I love God? Because I really do think that is the focus of... And I'll, How do I love God? Yes. Um, but a thing that I think a lot of people have trouble hearing, how do I allow God to love me more is, is, a, is a help as well. Because I, I think people struggle with that, but if they, if they can internalize and realize the amount of love that God has for them, then that's where that satisfaction level starts falling on them and and the things of this world do start growing strangely dim maybe not today maybe not tomorrow but over time the things that we once desired don't become as desirous is that a word <laughs> well you <laughs> know were. from a diet perspective if you if you change your diet mm -hmm. it will change your taste buds yes and f sugar for instance I noticed in my own life when I cut sugar yeah. dramatically, I didn't cut it 100% all the time, but I but about a month or two ago, I cut out almost all sugar. And you go drink a Coca-Cola now, and it's oh, yeah. like cough syrup. I mean, and and yeah. it was like, I don't even want this. It, yeah. it was really, really cool because right. I'm the guy that, well, put it this way, I was the guy who drank cream and sugar in my coffee all the time. Yeah. And I would tell you, there's no, no other way. I even told my health coach, I said, look, I give up everything, but I ain't stopping the sugar and cream in my mm -hmm. coffee. It's mm -hmm. not going to happen. Yeah. I now drink coffee without yeah. sugar. Your taste buds have changed. Because I don't like it with sugar. Right. Because I went back and I tried it the yeah. other day just to see, and it's, I was like, it's wrong, man. Yeah, yeah, this isn't good. That, I mean, but here's the it's thing, though. Cool. It's completely accurate. It's completely true. But if you ever start down that road again, it'll change back. It'll change back. That's right. So it's, it's, it's a crazy thing. So. So on a practical level, I would say, like you, I would agree with you totally. The first step is change your change your mm -hmm. change what you're looking at. Fix your eyes on Jesus, not on the sin. But two, notice patterns and eliminate the temptation. For instance, again, eating is such a perfect illustration right. for this. I think because it's it's an everyday life. Right. But clean out your fridge. When I looked at my my cabinets. This yeah. morning I go, man, I got chocolate cake on the counter. Yeah. I got cupcakes that yeah. people gave me, and I got chocolate milk. And I mean, it's everywhere. And I'm going, why am I doing this to right, myself? Right. Why am I, why am I making me right. have to choose every single day by looking at it and going, I choose not to eat that. Mm -hmm. Why not just get rid of it? 
I mean, that, that would make more sense, right? Mm-hmm. The way, way I've heard it explained, too, is that um, we're always wanting to get to the core rebellion. We're wanting to get to the real issue. And eating is one, but uh, porn, all these things are, are different. We want to get to the core, core issue. But in the meantime, you want to provide as many um, roadblocks to, to help yourself get to that. Yeah. Because it's going to take time. So yeah. um, you want to prevent all those other things from interfering with the process that God may be doing inside of you. Um, I read a book a few years ago. I've, I've mentioned this before, but uh, Kill the Spider. And the whole premise of that book was that we fight life against the web, you know, and just pulling the web down. And then it, guess what? It comes back, you know, and it comes back and it comes back. We knock it down and we feel good for a while because the web's gone. And then it comes back. But eventually we got to kill the spider. However, I think in that process, knocking down the web is not a bad thing because it at least is a start of the process. And then maybe prevent, do some preventative things, some sprays or whatever it is to keep the web from being formed back while you're trying to let God uh, help you kill that spider, figure out what the real root is there. So That's good. Well, have we uh, found an answer? guess we're good. No more sin. No more sin. No sin for you. No sin for you. It's the <laughs> issue in life, right? I mean, it is. You know, Galatians five: the, the life in the spirit, led by the spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Yeah, that's it. Uh, so the key is living by the spirit, and a lot of living by the spirit is wanting to. It's desire. Hmm. As we're probably, I think, about done here, coming to close, I, I'm thinking of two extremes of people right now. There's the one that's think and go, yeah, no, I'm pretty good. I'm not struggling. To that one, I would say you need to dig in a little bit and see what God wants to work on inside of you. And then the other extreme, the one that's just stuck in some type of addiction, just really beating themselves up, (sighs) turn your eyes on Jesus and and allow his love to flow in you. And the starting point for that person, the the good news is you know you've got a problem. Mm -hmm. Uh, So don't live in the shame. Don't live in the guilt because that really is kind of a first step. That's kind of knocking the web down a little bit. Um, that's a first step. So I don't know. I'm just thinking of those two extremes right there that a lot of people live in those two. Yeah. Well, good. Well, go and sin no more. <laughs> <laughs> ah, that was what Jesus said. Hey, thanks for listening to Messy Christianity. We hope it's been helpful to you. We do hope that you will share this podcast. We hope that you will. Uh, give us some comments and some feedback. If you got any ideas, send them our way. We'd love to hear your yeah. thoughts. So, uh, preach grace to yourself, but do not use grace as an excuse to continue on sinning willfully because God sees through that, and uh, God is always just, always. Have a great day. Thanks. Thank you for listening to Messy Christianity. Three guys talking about life, faith and everything in between. You want to know more? Check us out at www.storypointchurch.com or www.messychristianity.com.